we are in a series called The Ascent, and this will wrap up the end of this month. And it's, it's a, a series that's walking through a section of the Psalms that's called uh, The Songs of Ascents. And so we're uh, just on this journey. We, really, we're comparing our, our faith journey uh, to that of climbing a mountain, right? And this is what we know about the faith journey, right? Being a disciple is about acquiring skills and faith. That's what it means to be a disciple is you're learning, trying to acquire some skills that you can practice and use uh, every day of your life. And so being a disciple is not about knowledge, although knowledge is important. Uh, it's not just about knowing about God or knowing more about who God is. It's really learning how to the skills that you need to be able to walk on this faith journey. And so that's what this series is built around is be able to talk about some skills, uh, some mindsets, uh, some different um, thought processes that we need to have if we're going to do, do well in, in the climb of, of, of faith, right, the journey that we're on. Because um, here's the thing, the faith journey is a process of growing from one degree of glory to the next. Paul, Paul says that we keep continually keep growing, looking more and more like God. But we go from one glory of allowing of, of God to work in our lives to another glory, uh, like ascending a mountain. All right. And, and here's the thing, and in, in when it comes to the faith journey, when it comes to life, um, it seems like um, a lot of times we, we're faced with difficulties. And uh, how we approach the difficulties that we faced will determine uh, really the outcomes and, and really who we become in the process of that. Um, so I, I've, I've, I've come to this conclusion uh, that the things that make people quit is possibly the very thing that they needed to be able to learn from to help them get to the next level and whatever it was. Uh, we all want to be better in relationships. We all want to be better with our finances, uh, you know, parenting, uh, marriage, all those things, school, learning, our, our vocations, right? We all, we all want to get better. We want to improve, uh, but a lot of times we don't always uh, embrace the challenges that come our way to help us get better. And I think when we do that, we, we bypass and miss uh, something very, very, diff- very, very important uh, in those difficulties is, is who we can become in that process. So that's what that's going to be, what our, our skill is going to be about today. I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but as we start the year off, every year um, people tend to do this thing called um, New Year's resolutions, right? Uh, anybody in this room didn't have a New Year's resolution? So it's February, so um, that means either you gave up on it or you never had one. Uh, but here's, here's what I found out is, is there's very it's, – it's not a huge uh, proportion of our society that actually does goals and has goals and New Year's resolutions. Uh, some think about it. Uh, very few actually write it down, and then very few actually follow through. But here's what I found about new resolutions. For those who do set out to do something new, see, a resolution is really a decision to do or not do something, Right. And so um, what, what, I, what I found is cult, in culture-wide, culture uh, we're very good at starting things, but we're not very good at finishing or following through all the time. In fact, New Year's resolutions, 95% of the people that set out in January to do something uh, when the year is over uh, have not done it. Uh, so it means a 5% success rate when it comes to New Year's resolutions, uh, which means that's a really small percentage of our society because not everybody does them, not everybody writes them down. This would just be people that have set out to do something. And so that, I think that when I, when I read that stat, I was like, wow, 5%, only 5% of our of people set out to finish something tend to finish it, which means that we need to learn some skills that can help us finish, right? And that says that a lot of us struggle with following through and, and finishing, right? We start the diet, we don't follow through. We start the exercise, we don't follow through. We start the reading plan, we don't follow through. So today is a lot really about that. And so the skill we're going to talk about today is perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. This is a really important word uh, when it comes to Scripture in the Bible of, of what we're supposed to learn. Here's what perseverance means. It's persistence in doing something despite difficulty, difficulty or delay in achieving success. So resolution is just a decision to do or not do something, Right? 
Those, that's good. That's, that's a good thing. We should all have, make resolutions. Um, sometimes on a daily basis, what we will do and won't do, um, even on a yearly basis. That's not bad. But what we need, if we're going to have our resolutions be the 5% that finishes, we need to add this one characteristic, this one skill to our life, and it's called perseverance because it's a persistence in doing that thing that you decided to do, right? Despite how difficult it gets, how hungry you get, how tired you get, whatever it is that you're facing, right? How, whatever it is, or delaying um, or be able to delay in achieving that success. So if it's not coming as fast as you're hoping it was, you know, you're not losing as much weight as you hoping it was, the relationship's not improving as fast as you hope it was, perseverance says, I'm going to be persistent in this because I know if I stick with it, I'll eventually see some outcomes happen and I'm not going to give up too soon. So perseverance is really important. So we're going to read a psalm. Uh, We're in Psalm 129. And what we do is we'll read the whole psalm through and then I'm going to talk about some ideas and we'll we'll break down some of the different components in the psalm. And, And from Psalms 120 to 135, we have these songs of ascents. It's a pilgrim's uh, songs that they would sing when they're journeying back to Jerusalem for the celebrations on a yearly basis, three times a year. And what they'd be doing is they'd be reminding themselves of some important ideas when it comes to the faith journey. And they're going back, they're leaving their, their village, going back to Jerusalem to worship God. And on this, on this journey, they're singing these songs to remind them about the faith journey, to remind them about what they're supposed to be doing with life, right? And so uh, we do one psalm on Sunday, and then in the middle of the week, we do a really short video that gets the next psalm. Uh, so we can get through the whole 15 within the first few months. And um, my, my hope is this, is that through this, this process, it's a journey that you will begin to challenge yourself to think through those skills and think through some of the mindsets that you have in life so that 2020 can be a great year. And your faith journey can actually be an incredible one if you allow God to work in you despite even the challenges and difficulties, all right? So Psalms 129 says this, They've kicked me when they kicked me around ever since I was young. This is how Israel tells it. They've kicked me around ever since I was young, but they never could keep me down. They're plowmen. They plowed long furrows up and down my back. Then God ripped the harness of evil plowmen to shreds. Oh, let all who hate Zion grovel in, hum- grovel in humiliation. Let them be like grass and shallow ground. That, yeah, woo. <laughs> that withers before the harvest, uh, before the farmhands can gra- gather it and the harvesters get in the crop. Before the neighbors have a chance to call out, congratulations to you, wonderful. Congratulations to your wonderful crop. We bless you in, the, in God's name. So we'll talk about some of the details in that in a second. Um, have you guys ever seen um, a, the, the, a weaver's loom? That people that make rugs. Um, I don't know if you've, if you've ever seen this. I'm putting some pictures up there. You can kind of get an idea of what I'm talking about. Um, if, if you've ever seen the process of it, um, if, if you when, when you first look at it, especially the backside, you know. Their, their underside of rugs are not that beautiful. In fact, sometimes they're really ugly, and there's, you know, the patterns can be obscure in the beginning. Um, there's loose ends everywhere, right? Almost like there's chaos going on. Uh, well, I heard, I heard this man, he went to go visit a, a really nice um, factory that makes, makes rugs. And the owner of the factory was giving him a tour, walking around, just talking about rugs and, and all that and the process. And this is what he says. Uh, he says, don't judge the, work, the worker or the work by looking at the wrong side. It's not done yet. So the man was saying, all right, so you look at these rugs, you're going to look and think like, man, that's not a really pretty rug. That's actually a really ugly rug. Um, and you might look at the worker and think like, maybe they're just learning, right? Like, man, you should really work on that person because they're not good at making rugs. But the owner knew this, that you can't judge it too soon. And if you are going to judge it, make sure you don't look at the wrong side because it's quite possible that what you're seeing actually can mislead you to believe something that's not even what it is or what's true. So I, I went and found some pictures. I, I think... Um, they're making some rugs are pretty awesome. I, you, obviously, you can see the pattern, right? This one, the, the, the thread is everywhere, uh, but that's going to be an amazing rug. 
Um, but in, in this, the whole point of this is that the owner was saying, hey, don't judge too soon, right? Because I think this is what happens, and here's why I'm saying this, is in life, we all at times fixate and focus on the wrong side of life. Just like this man was going to focus on the wrong side of the rug, and the owner said, hey, don't focus on the wrong side of the rug because it's not going to make sense. We sometimes fixate and focus on the wrong side, the unfinished side of life, the messy side. I don't know about you, but messy, life can be messy, right? It can be challenges with relationships and things that pop up, and we can have good days and bad days, and you know the sun's out and the clouds come and the snow comes, and in our, in our life, in our relationships, it just feels like sometimes we just go through different seasons and challenges that come our way, right? Well, don't judge the wrong side of life, and don't get ahead of the story too soon because it's quite possible that what you're seeing as difficulty might be actually something really important in the process of what God is wanting to do in your life. Let's read Psalms again. Psalms 129 says, They kicked me around ever since I was young. This is how Israel tells it. They've kicked me around ever since I was young, but they never could keep me down. This song is about perseverance. So, so they're, they're saying throughout life, we've experienced hardships. We've had different nations try to take over our country. And they've kicked us down, right? They, they've, we've been oppressed. We've been enslaved. enslaved. We, we've, had, we've gone through difficulties, but they could never keep us down. They had a bigger view of whatever came our way. We knew God was going to take care of us, going to help us. Their plowmen plowed long furrows up and down my back, right? So this idea that of slavery, this idea of oppression, this idea that their life is being um, challenged by, by different people around them. But he said, but then God ripped the harness of the plowmen to shreds. But God took care of it. In fact, the things that the enemy was trying to do for, to them, they're saying God actually took and removed and actually used it to make us stronger. And then it goes on, and this is the last part of the psalm that says, Oh, let those who hate Zion, groveling humiliation, let be a grass and shallow ground that withers before the harvest. What well, I thing I love about uh, the psalm and the psalms is they're very honest. So this is, a, this is as they're singing the psalm, they're reminding themselves of their humanity. Um, and, and perseverance doesn't mean perfection. And, and singing these psalms is not about perfection. It's about our humanity. And it's the, raw, the, the real and the raw of what we face. And these guys are saying, all right, we're a little upset at those that are against us, right? And let them be like grass. Like God's going to, God, would you bring some, some uh, judgment to them? So in this whole psalm of Psalm 129, it's about perseverance and sticking it out and, and not giving up no matter what we face. Um, here's what I want you to know about, the, about faith and the faith journey is your faith will always be tested. Faith is always tested. And this is not a bad thing. This is actually a really good thing, right? Because when our faith is tested, it proves what's there. So when you face a difficulty or a hardship or something that's, that's, that's um, challenging, in that, in that very test or trial, there's two things that could happen. You can get better or you can get bitter. You can become a stronger person or you can become a weaker person. In fact, when our faith is tested, God always allows the test to bring the best out in us. The enemy, Satan, he tempts us to bring out the worst. Really, the question is not so much of um, is it good or bad, but rather what's your perspective in it? And how are you going to allow this to make you into a better person, right? So what takes place when the test is, uh, during that test, is it shows us what's there, right? It reveals to us what's going on. So if we fail and give up, it just reveals that there was something there that, that wasn't strong enough, that we weren't good enough for it. Um, and if we fall, fail, and get up again, it shows us that we can, we can make it. Job 23.10 says, like, he says like this, a man in the middle of a test, he says, but he knows where I am going. So he knows the path I'm taking. And, where he, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. So even Job had the perspective of, I'm going through something really difficult. And his story is one that somebody faced a lot of difficulty. And in the middle of it, he's saying, but I know that after he's tested me, I'm going to come out on the other side as pure gold. And throughout scripture, Peter uses this analogy. Uh, Paul uses this analogy. Job uses it even, even in Proverbs. 
it talks about how there's a, there's a process that we go through that purifies us the same way a person that has a piece of gold would put it in hot, really hot fire to burn out the impurities. That's what he's talking about. Is when we go through something, a, a, a test, it, that, that has the opportunity to burn out what's not working, what's, what's, what's weak, what's not good, what's impure. And then what's left is pure gold, right? So faith is always tested. The second thing is um, testing works for us, not against, against us. And this is key because a lot of times we have this idea that if we're, um, you know, if, if God is happy with us, if we're, we're trying to follow God's ways, we're going to church, all these things, that life should be good. And we shouldn't face anything difficult. Uh, but that's not what the Psalms talk about. That's not what the scriptures talk about. In fact, when we're tested, you have to understand that a testing is actually going to work for you, not against you. That's the point of it, right? Romans 5, 38, I mean, 3 through 5 says it like this. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And now hope, this kind of hope does not disappoint. The hope in God does not disappoint. So notice what happens. Paul says, um, we, we rejoice, right? We read the scripture a few weeks back talking about joy. We said when we face something difficult, Paul said rejoice in that because there's something that's going to take place in that process. But notice what takes place. You go through something difficult, tribulation, and what does it produce? Perseverance, right? The persistence to keep going no matter how hard it is or if, even if something's not coming right away to you. You keep going. And after that perseverance, something happens inside your life. It's, the character begins to be developed, right? So, so problems and trials, suffering and, and, and hardship, they're there to produce something in us. And Paul says it's a process. It's like the rug that's being made, right? When, even though you don't see it right now, it was maybe a little messy, something's going to take place there. Something's going to be produced. And that character is just uh, proof of what's really on the inside. And then after we've gone through that process, we find hope. Um, you know, in this, in this um, if there are scriptures, tribulation, Paul talks about it. Jesus tells the disciples, in this life, you will have tribulations. You're going to have trials. You're going to have difficulties. Well, when, they, when they use the word tribulation, uh, the word is, um, it's, it's a word called tribulum, and it was really a, an agriculture word, and this is what it, what it means, all right? A tribulum was a heavy piece of timber that would thresh the grain. It would separate the wheat from the chaff, right? The wheat, wheat from just the, the actual stems of, of, the, of, the, of the grass. Um, I'll show you a picture if you don't put that picture up there. So this is what it would look like, right? And, and you can see that either an animal pull it or a person would pull it, and they put all the grain down, and then they would get this tribulum, and they would go over that grain back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it would separate the different parts of the wheat. So you can have what you really need. And the chaff would just be the fine dust that they would push away, right? And, and it's, it's not worth anything. And so when, Paul, when Jesus says, you're going to face tribulations, when Paul says, in this life, tribulations, trials, tests, suffering, those things that we go through, they're actually like this very machine that's working something in us. Which, in the moment, whenever you're facing something, is really difficult, right? You go through something hard, it's like... Feels like a heavy piece of wood with these uh, pieces of rock that are cutting the, the 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 wheat apart, right? Separating it. Sometimes tribulation and suffering can feel like that. In the middle of it, it's like this is horrible. But what is it going to produce on the other side? Well, those that have the understanding of this is going to help me become better, typically on the other side find all of the wheat and the good stuff. And those that go through the the tribulation and the and the trials and the, and the challenges with a negative mindset typically only get the chaff at the end and be like, it was worthless. It didn't do anything in my life. So instead of getting better, they got bitter. Instead of getting stronger, they got weaker. And there's a potential in everything that we face in life to help us to get stronger or to help us get worse. Um, so the question is this, as we move forward, is what does God want to produce in our lives? What is it the thing that God wants to produce on a daily basis, on a seasonal basis, that we go, go through different seasons? What is it that God is wanting to produce? I would say this, patience, endurance, 
There's another word for, for perseverance, right? One of the words they use for the translations of perseverance is, is patience also. A passion, passionate patience and the ability to keep going when things are tough. And patience, when the Bible talks about patience in, in this context, it's not an idle patience of just sitting, doing nothing, waiting for it to go through. But it's an expectation of saying, even though it's not what I want, I know something better is coming. And I'm not going to miss that. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a maturity versus an immaturity. All right? And so faith is always tested. Uh, testing works for us, not against us. And so what does God want to preach in our lives? The last one is trials, rightly used, help us to mature. So ultimately what God wants is he wants you to mature. He wants me to mature. He wants to use these moments in our life to help us to become better, right? And here's the thing about maturity. Maturity has less to do with age and more to do with understanding or I could say mindset in this, in this case with the series that we're talking about. It has more to do with the, the way we approach things. You know, my, my kids, um, one of the things, the, the processes that we're trying to help them do is help them mature, right? So they're babies and then they move from babies to a little older and, and toddlers, right? And that process, we're trying to help them to delay instant gratification, right? That's part of maturity is being able to say, no, I don't have to have it right now. In fact, some cases, you don't have to have it ever, um, just it's not that important. And then, but, but they don't see that, right? So an immature person wants it now. They have to have it now, and they're going to make a, a fuss, and they're going to fight because they want it now. A mature person understands, okay, I might not necessarily have it, be able to have it right now, but down the road, it might be a better time to have that. I don't have to just indulge myself every time I want it. A kid doesn't know that, so you have to be trained in that, right? So I'm very appreciative to my wife. She's a great disciplinarian. And um, in our life, when, when it comes to uh, uh, raising our kids, um, it, it's always this tension, right? Do I have to be hard at this moment? Do I need to show some grace? I love her grace, and uh, we pray that God would help us do that because we don't always know. Sometimes it's, we have to be really firm with them, and other times it's, we need to show them some grace. But we do know this. We're committed to them becoming mature adults. We want to model for them. We want to help them to see that. And so as parents, the worst thing we could do is, and we, we tease, you know, like, I wish you'd say like this as a little baby forever, but that wouldn't really benefit them. You know, walking around in diapers as a 40-year-old, as a 30-year-old or whatever, you know, that's just having somebody, you know, have all that. It's just not, it wouldn't be beneficial to them. They, we want them to mature and grow because life is this process of becoming better, right? And so God invites us on this journey to do that. And so um, when, when tri- trials are rightly used, they help us to mature. Right, because those trials they build character. It matures us. Right, it gives us experience, and that experience just means that our character has been proven. That we we walk through something and we say, see that we can make it through. Right, uh, James tells us like this when it comes to maturity. James one says, "Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. Consider it pure joy when you go through something difficult, because you know the testing of your faith it produces perseverance." The testing of your faith is supposed to produce endurance and perseverance and stick with it, right? Stick with it uh, in this. So it's inviting us on this journey. Um, Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So mature and complete means that you have this peace of mind. You have this sense of wholeness and fullness in your life, that you're you're allowing God to work in your life, and and, and you begin to reflect like James and like like Paul and like Jesus, that whatever we're facing— it's not the end of the story. There's going to be something better down the road, right? We can, we can, we can stick with it because we know this is going to help us become better for the future. See, too many times people give up in the middle of the struggle not realizing that the very thing they're quitting on is the weight that they need to be able to become the person they really want to become in the future. So when we stand under something that's heavy and, and difficult, it's quite possible that it's supposed to strengthen you, not weaken you. 
But because we see it as a negative, we don't allow it to strengthen us. We allow it to frustrate us and weaken us. And those who embrace those difficulties, those that embrace the challenges, they're the ones that become better on the, on the end, on the flip side, on the, on the outcome, right? So in, in one of the things that as, as I've um, been going through scriptures and in, in, in this series, I love to, um, I love to read different, different ideas of when it comes to psychology and neuroscience um, because the new studies, they show us how the brain works. They show us how our, our personalities and, and the, our thought process, all that. It's, just, it's, it's really interesting. And, and um, for, for this series, um, I went back to a couple of books I've read in the past that are really good. Uh, one book, uh, another friend of mine, he recommended for parents. It's called uh, The Growth Mindset uh, by Carolyn Dweck. Great book. Uh, she talks about these two mindsets, the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. Um, uh, Carolyn Leaf, she wrote, she's written a couple of books, talked about mindsets and, and um, neuroscience and how they used to think not that long ago that our brains were fixed and that once you, once you pass a certain age, you couldn't change the way you thought. Like it was just, it was stuck that way. And now they've revealed that you can change. It's not, it's not fixed, uh, but it's actually moldable and you can actually um, um, grow and, and learn things and change how you think and change your behavior. Uh, pretty awesome. Then another book I read uh, just uh, recently also, is, it's called um, um, Grit um, by Angela Duckworth. Great book. And this whole book about grit um, is, is really about perseverance, right? It's, it's a purpose and passion combined to, to accomplish things. And so it's, it's about endurance, about perseverance. Uh, great book. And in these books, what, what, I, what I've realized is they're trying to figure out um, in life, those who really are successful in life, those who do a really good job in life, uh, they have something different that others that struggle with life don't. And in, in the, a lot of these books, it's, it's this idea of a growth mindset. That you, have to, you have to be able to see what others don't see. You have to be able to see what's not even there sometimes in front of you. Because it doesn't feel like it fun when you're going through something difficult. But if you have a growth mindset, you realize that that very challenge is actually possibly going to help you become better. That you're going to become better through that process. Um, the growth mindset. There's a Chinese proverb that says, fall seven, rise eight. If you're going to mess up, if you're going to fail, right? Because that's, that's what the, the faith journey is, what life is. We try things. We don't make it exactly 100% or correctly. So we try it again. We fail, right? We fall down. We get up. Uh, kids walking when they're learning to walk, they fall down, get up, fall down, get up, fall down, get up. I don't know how many times your kids fell, but my kids fell a lot. But never once did they fall down and say, that's it. I'm not ever doing this again. It's not worth it, right? Why? Because they saw everybody else walking, and they saw something bigger in life that they can go for. So they kept trying it. Uh, as little kids, we have a lot of times a growth mindset. But little by little, our mind sometimes becomes fixed and we stop. So fall seven, rise eight. Proverbs twenty four sixteen says this. The godly man, he trips seven times. Or the godly, woman, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. So even though you fall seven times, you still get up. You fall eight times, you get up again. You keep getting up. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. One disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. We're only as strong as the strongest thing that keeps us from moving forward. And sometimes the things that keep us from moving forward, the fear, the failure, um, the, the, the insecurity, um, that very thing is what's keeping you from actually get, becoming the person you're supposed to become. We need to learn to push through that and say, whatever we're facing, even though it feels like somebody's dragging that board across my life, that board is actually trying to produce something really good in us. So don't stop. I mean, don't, don't stop. Keep going. Uh, Jan, John uh, Acuff, he wrote this book uh, called Start. And it's really about starting, starting companies, starting something new. Um, and after he wrote the book, he realized that starting wasn't the problem. Like a lot of people already read his book, but as he talked to people, their issue wasn't starting. Their issue was finishing. So he wrote another book called Finish, right? So not just start, but finish. Really good books. And uh, he, he said this in his book. He said, starting is fun, 
But the future belongs to finishers. Starting is fun. But those who have success at the end of the year aren't the ones who started the diet. They're the ones who finished the diet. They're not the ones who started working on the relationship. They're the ones who continue to push through and continue to work on the relationship. Right? So the future belongs to those who finish. Now, the same ideas echoed throughout Scripture over and over and over. Right? It's not about starting the climb. The faith journey is about following through and not quitting until we reach the summit. Right? Uh, so don't, we have to learn not to quit just because it gets hard. And we have, to, we have to learn to push through even when it's difficult. James 1, 2 through 4, let's read that one more time. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and my sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, it produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature, mature and complete, lacking nothing. And he goes on and says, and by the way, if you do lack something, what you should do is ask God, right? Ask God for and what he says, ask God for is help, but he specifically says, ask God for wisdom. Ask God for, to, under, to have a, an ability to see that what you're facing is actually going to produce something in your life. It's ability to understand what's going on. So I heard, uh, I heard a story of a pastor told about um, one of his, his um, associates at work. Um, she was going through some very, very difficult trials and tribulations, right? And uh, she had a stroke, and she was trying to recover from that. And during that process, her husband uh, went blind uh, began to start going blind and losing the sight. Um, and then her husband got sick, had to go to the hospital. And on this trip, they were pretty certain that it was going to be the last part of his life that he was on, uh, about to die. And so the, so the pastor, feeling really bad for, for his coworker, I saw her at church one day, and he said he came to her that Sunday and says, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And she stopped and says, um, what exactly are you asking God to do for me? And it kind of startled him, took him off. off, off uh, you know, he says, well, I'm praying that God will help you and he will strengthen you. And this is what her response was. I appreciate that, but pray about one more thing. Pray that I'll have the wisdom not to waste all of this. This woman understood wisdom. She understood trials and perseverance and what is produced in our lives. Because when we face something, the outcome is more important than what is actually taking place in the moment. And what happens as humans is we only feel the emotions, we only feel and we get stuck thinking about what exactly is taking place in that moment, that we don't look further down the road, right? We're overwhelmed by what's happening in the moment, the sickness. We're overwhelmed by the, the fight or the, um, the contention or the, the stress that's going on, right? The pressure, finances, and debt. And we don't look down the road. And then what happens instead of looking down the road thinking, what can I learn from this? We actually make really bad decisions because of what we're feeling, to try to fix this, a lot of times to try to ignore it or to numb it. And it leads us down a different path until we become weaker, not better. And this woman, when she's talking to her pastor, says, give me wisdom not to waste this, right? She knew what James meant in, in, in the book of James in, in chapter 1, that we need wisdom so we'll not waste the opportunities God is giving us to mature. Because here's the thing, God will use it for our good. He'll give us wisdom to know how to use it for our good and that he'll get the glory from it. That in this process, he'll be, people will be in to see that there's something about God and his help in our lives that works. So remember the, the pictures I showed you, right, of, of, the, of the rugs? I found, I found one that kind of shows some more finished products, right? And he said, don't judge the work or the worker by looking at the wrong side. It's not done yet. And I would add this. He's not done yet. His work is not finished yet. God's work is not finished in our lives. In fact, in some cases, he's only begun. And the reason we don't have more progress and more maturity in our lives is because we've kind of said, all right, God, stop, stop working on my life. I don't want anything you have to do. And it keeps us stuck 
Uh, it inhibits us and stops us from growing. And all we could think about is the pain and the hurt and things we're going through. And the whole time, God is saying, don't let that stop you. That's really not that big of a deal. Like, keep going. It's, it's a temporary thing. You're only focused on what is in front of you. There's so much more to come. It was just one argument. It was one disagreement. It's a little bit of whatever it is, right? And he's trying to say, learn, one, let it teach you how to manage your life better. Because a lot of times, it's really our fault that we're in these situations sometimes. Other times, it's because of what people have done to us. And instead of getting angry about it, God is saying, would you let that become an area of your life that you can actually be used to bring good to others? Here's my challenge for today. My challenge is this. Don't waste any trial. Don't waste any trial. Make a decision in your mind to say, whatever I face, I'm not going to waste any moment, any hard conversation, any difficulty, any, any whatever accusation comes my way. I will not waste any one of those for, and allow God to, 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 to work in it, right? So choose to learn from them and allow them to mature you. No matter the setback, no matter the mishap or the misstep or the failure or the problems or the adversity that we face, we have to choose to say, God, I want to I stick with this. I need your help to stick with this. In our lives, if we're going to finish the race that God's called us to, if we're going to finish ascending the mountain and make it to the summit, we can't stop just when it gets hard. We have to push through. And, and when it does get hard, just believe that that hardness, that, that difficulty is supposed to strengthen you, not to weaken you. Um, I have one more scripture. I have one more scripture on that. No? There it is. Second Corinthians four sixteen through 18. Paul says this. Uh, and let me give you a little context. Right? Paul is writing to the Christians in Corinth, and he's encouraging them about their faith journey. And throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, these, these letters he's writing, he talks about hardships. He talks about difficulties. In fact, he tells them a lot about what he's been through, the sleepless nights and the, the endless people trying to kill him and the different beatings that he's taken and the different imprisonments and the, and the false accusations. So the adversities, the tribulations, the trials, everything he's faced. And in this book, the second one, he says this, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, so this is how I have perseverance. I know if Paul has perseverance, he's going to tell us. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles, and notice what he talks about our present troubles as. And notice his present troubles, they were not that simple. Um, Prison, sleepless nights, hunger, imprisonment, people wanting to kill you. Almost being killed multiple times, beaten to the the last point of his, his life, right? And he says, these troubles... They're small and they're temporary. The troubles we face are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So he's saying what we face, it's small and it's temporary. Not because it's easy to get through, but because compared to what God has for us in the future, this really isn't that much. And his perspective was that of a mature person that says, even though I can't have my candy right now, I know one day I'm going to have something much better than that. Even though I can't have the toy or the little thing that I really want, I'm throwing a fit about it. Even though I'm not getting my way, he's saying the moment, the trouble, the struggle, it's small compared to what God has for us in the future. He goes on and says, um, so we don't look at the trouble we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So Paul, before they discovered growth mindset versus fixed mindset, Paul had a growth mindset. 
He understood that whatever came his way, God was going to use it for good. In fact, in Romans um, 8.28, he says, All things, I know all things will be worked together for my good. All things. Whatever I face, they're going to be worked together for my good and for the good of those around me. He had a mindset that, was going to, that said, no matter what I face, it's going to be useful at some point in my life to help me to get better, to help me keep moving on the journey. In life, our culture is so immediate. It's so fast. Fast food, and we want it now, right? Immediate gratification, instant gratification. And what comes with that a lot of times is that bleeds into our faith journey. That we think, well, because everything's not perfect right now, we don't have everything that we're praying and asking for, then God doesn't work. His way doesn't work. And sometimes God's saying, actually, the very struggle I'm giving you is the very thing you need because there's things in your life that aren't good that need to be burned away. There's things in your life where you're weak and you need to be strengthened. And so I'm going to allow you to go through this so that you can become better. Why? Because he believes in you. He believes in me. They couldn't stop Paul. They threatened to kill him. And he says, that would be an honor. Would you kill me so I can go to heaven and be with Jesus? So they're like, well, that's not going to work. Well, then we're going to imprison you for the rest of your life. Would you do that? That's awesome. I'm going to, be able to write some more letters to my, my brothers and sisters around the world. That would be an honor. Would you, would you do that? How can you beat somebody that says, doesn't matter what you do to me, God's going to use it for good. You kill me, the church is going to grow. You imprison me, we're going to write a lot of letters to these people down in, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. In the year 2020, we'll have some insight and have some encouragement knowing that 2,000 years ago, he had struggles that were way much harder than ours. And he could tell us, hey, stick with it. Don't give up. It just, the journey just started. The adventure just begun. Let God do something in your life. Rejoice in the struggles you go through because it's going to produce in you a character that is strong. It's going to produce in you the energy and the resilience to be able to say, no matter what I face, this is for my benefit. No matter what I go through, this is going to make me stronger. No matter what, I, what, what comes my way, I'm going to become a better person because of it. It's a choice that you make. So the choice before you is when you face things, and you know, and as soon as I talk about this, you're going to realize that tomorrow at work, you go through something, right? A trial, a difficulty, a conversation, whatever. In the middle of that, it's not an accident that now all of a sudden you realize, like, wow, this is that pressure he's talking about. This is the stress. This is the test. And then you have a choice. Do I let this make me better? Or am I just going to continue to be bitter? Am I going to let this make me strong and healthy and mature? Or am I going to just want to have my way and take my ball and go home? God is saying, I want to produce something in you. So today, as we end our service, uh, some of you in this room, I think um, hopefully you've been challenged and encouraged to, to keep going, keep moving. Others in this room, you realize that on this journey, you haven't had the right mindset, that you've been doing it your own way. Uh, maybe you haven't been to church for a long time. Maybe this is your first time back. Or maybe you just walked away from God. Well, today, the, the most important step you can do is take a step back towards God. You know, Paul, Paul gave his life. Jesus gave his life. Peter and the disciples, they gave and used their lives to help other people know about the freedom that comes with God. And what God did on the cross for us. They were willingly willing to be able to say, I'm going to use my life to help others. And that's what we do here at the Grove. We're saying, let's use our life to help others know about God's love. And some of you today, you're here, and you've walked away, or you're doing your own thing, and today would be the day that you would say, God, I want to take a step towards you. Maybe you feel far and isolated and separated from God. The first step is always to say, God, forgive me. I want to make things right. I want to walk in your direction. 
I want relationship with you. And that's always the starting point in the faith journey is saying, God, I want to do this with your help. I need your help. And then for some of us in this room that have started that journey, next thing is you stick with it. Even when it's difficult, you stick with it. You follow through. You say, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what comes my way. I'm going to trust you to help develop something inside of me. And you don't give up because the ones, how do you say it? The future belongs to finishers. Heaven belongs to finishers. One of Paul would say, and don't, don't stop running the race that you're in. Keep r- r- racing. Keep running. Don't let others cut in and cut you off and stop you. Keep going. Keep going. All right, as we end our service, do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we end? And The Bible talks about um, humility, and it talks about us acknowledging that we, our need for God's help. And today, if you're here and you'd be brave enough and you're in that moment in your life where you recognize that you need God in your, in your life, you're doing it on your own, you're doing it apart from him, and today you want to start the faith journey. You want to ask God to lead you. See, being a, a Christian, a Jesus follower, means that we're following his example. Now, the word the Bible uses is repentance. That when you find yourself on a road that's going nowhere, a road that's going away from God, your job is to stop, recognize that you're on the wrong road, and turn around and go back to God. And today, if you need to make that decision to say, I need to repent, I need, I need to ask God to come into my life and lead me on this journey. If that's you, I would love to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to call you down to the front, but just leave you in a prayer right there in your seat. If you're here today and you would say, that's me, Pastor Eric, I want to give my life to God. I want his help on this journey. I want to become better. I want to mature. I want to grow up. I want to allow him to work in my life. If that's you today, would you do me a favor? Lift your hand right there in your seat. Let me know that's you, that you want to move forward. Awesome. I see quite a few hands gone up. Anybody else? Awesome. All right. If you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you're a Jesus follower in this room, would you uh, pray with us so that praying alone? And say this prayer with me. Say, God, forgive me of my choices, of my sin, of my mistakes that have led me away from you. Today, I want your help. I need your help. I ask for your help. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross to show me a better way to give me life. I accept his sacrifice on my behalf. Thank you that he's alive today. Wanting to help. Come into my life. Give me a new start. Help me to stick with it. To push forward. To become stronger. To become better. Work in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate those that prayed that prayer today. So good.